All right. Hey, everyone. Good morning. Happy Monday. How y'all doing? Oh, come on. We can do better than that. Good morning. How y'all doing? You enjoying the, the, the spring weather that it feels like, right? I got out your spring jacket uh, after our negative temperatures and our 60-degree swing from last week at this time. Uh, it's so good to be back together um, as we are in our final second to the last week of this quad, uh, which is absolutely, uh, for me, I don't know about you, but it's going by very, very quickly as we're approaching spring break. And uh, we're excited uh, yet again for another opportunity to be able to gather together, uh, to encounter God uh, together in community. And uh, this morning we have um, kind of a, a special treat with some special guests. We, we uh, partnered with our global and local engagement uh, uh, area in student life uh, to bring up with us, uh, bring to us this morning uh, three representatives from the Union Gospel Mission right here in the Twin Cities. So quick show of hands, how many heard of Union Gospel Mission? Okay, all right, so several of you. Um, and so let me just uh, share a little bit about who's going to be sharing uh, just, a, just in a few moments here, um, but we're going to begin in a time of worship through song. And so um, you're going to be hearing from Josh Windham, who is a volunteer service manager at Union Gospel Mission. He's been able to work in a variety of nonprofit settings in volunteer management and community development. He's passionate about bringing uh, people to a deeper understanding of how their faith impacts issues like homelessness, poverty, and addiction. And then we have uh, Abigail uh, Wrights, who actually is a recent alum from 2019. And she's the new events and community outreach coordinator at UGM. She has worked in volunteer management, events, and uh, community engagement since graduating from Northwestern. She also uh, shares the passion about uplifting undeserved, in, uh, underserved uh, uh, individuals through education and outreach with the goal of godly social reform. And then thirdly, you're going to be hearing from John, who is a current student, actually in his last day as a student, um, in the Christ Recovery Center. And he's going to talk about the power of gospel transformation and how he's experienced that at Union Gospel Mission. So, um, so with that, uh, I want to invite you, if you would, would you stand with me as we prepare to worship the Lord through song? I'm going to pray, we're going to sing, and then we're going to hear from our friends from Union Gospel Mission. So Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you that you have allowed us to gather together again today. God, we thank you that it's in you that we live, move, and breathe and have our being. And I pray that in these next moments for all those that are here in this room in Night Hall, for those that are participating virtually online, that you would help us to lean in, to be fully present to you. I pray that your presence, God, would, we would encounter in such a way that we would look, act, and live more like Jesus when we leave today than when we came in. And so, Father, thank you for the privilege that it is to gather, to be able to sing, to worship through song, to worship through hearing um, your truth and testimony of, of the gospel through our friends at Union Gospel Mission today. And Father, thank you that we get to be a part of the greater kingdom work here on this campus and as it's connected to our city and country and world. God, we love you and thank you for loving us first. And thank you for being with us and that we get to be with you together. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Hello. Thanks for having us here. My name is Josh Windham and I work at the Union Gospel Mission in St. Paul. Um, it's great to see that many of you have heard of us before. Um, we are uh, really happy and proud that we are celebrating our 119th year here in St. Paul um, as an organization that is um, Christ-centered, faith-based, and living out um, our calling um, to serve uh, those experiencing homelessness, poverty, and addiction. Um, it's been a, definitely a crazy year for us at Union Gospel. Um, as we know, there's a lot that's been happening in our world and in our community. 
um, on any given night, there's about 15,000 people who are experiencing homelessness here in the Twin Cities um, and across the state of Minnesota. Um, we, we hear the numbers and we see that homelessness is, is becoming more visible. And I think for us as believers and as Christians is, what does that mean for us? For us? How does that compel us to live out our faith? Um, at Union Gospel Mission, we've been living out into this calling um, for 119 years. Um, we, are, uh, uh, we provide uh, emergency housing. Um, one of the big things that we um, do on a daily basis is serve meals. Uh, last year, we served about 400,000 meals out of our kitchen in St. Paul. Um, 400,000 meals to people who do not know where their next meal is going to come from here in the Twin Cities. Um, we also provide a lot of spiritual care. Um, we have some great chaplains um, on our staff, and we have chapel service very similar to this. Every single night, we have church groups, um, and volunteers come in to lead chapel service for our community. Um, we have our Naomi family residents, um, so we provide housing for women and children and infants and toddlers who are experiencing homelessness. Um, we have a daycare center as well. Not a lot of people know that, but we do have a daycare center um, where we serve uh, individuals, who, um, women and children, who are experiencing homelessness. Um, we also provide a lot of uh, education and job training classes and courses. Uh, John will share a little bit uh, here in a, a bit about our Christ Recovery Center. Um, we have 80 to 90 individuals in our Christ Recovery Program, um, individuals going through drug or alcohol addiction. Um, we are really focused on meeting the basic needs of individuals, but really being holistic in that. Um, we have a mental health clinic that started just a couple years ago. Um, so anybody that's in our programming can meet with a clinician, a licensed therapist or social worker um, or psychologist um, to help overcome the issues that would cause somebody to become homeless. Um, that is something that has been huge for us as an organization, um, and even more so in the last year or two. Um, we've seen just the need grow for that type of service. COVID has really impacted us this past year, um, like it has for all of us. The issues and the struggles that people were facing were always prevalent, but this past year, it's become a lot more visible, and the need has only grown. Um, we, we are serving more people on a daily basis because there's just not a lot of resources that are available. Um, we are very happy and blessed because of our donors and our volunteers and just people in the community that we, we're here to, to, to be a safe place for people to go. Um, homelessness, especially here in the Twin Cities, is becoming a lot more visible. It might be somebody you see on the off-ramp of a freeway holding up a sign. Um, there's a lot more encampments here in the Twin Cities as well. Um, it's on the forefront of the news. Um, and so for us as an organization, like I said, it's a challenge for us. We've been around for a long time, but it doesn't mean that we have all the answers. Where does God want us as an organization to go to address these really, really um, you know, big, important needs in our community? What does the Bible say? What does our faith, what does it compel us to do to live out, not only speak the gospel, but to be the gospel to people who need it the most? Um, I've learned in my time at Union Gospel that sometimes I am the only gospel people will experience in their life. If it's just coming through our meals, uh, one of our meal lines to get a meal, um, around the holidays, and I know Abigail had a big part of this this year, um, we give out um, in the last few years about 4,000 bags of groceries. Um, this year, we gave out 6,500 bags of groceries and turkeys to the community. Um, we saw such a huge need, um, more so than we could even imagine. 
But what does that mean to be the gospel for something as simple as a turkey for Thanksgiving or a bag of groceries to meet somebody's need? It's, it's huge. And my challenge to you guys as you're here at Northwestern getting your education, thinking about what your future holds, you guys have such an opportunity to be in this world to make a difference, to use wherever, wherever you end up. It could be a social worker or a psychologist or whatever, um, but how are you going to be the gospel to people in your realm of influence? Um, how will you share your faith to people who need to hear it the most? And, where, and how will you go to places that um, are really struggling so that you can be light to where there is darkness? Um, and so with that challenge to you, I, I just um, encourage you, if you ever want to know more about how to get involved with the mission, we have a lot of volunteer opportunities. We have partnered with Northwestern University um, a lot over the years, um, but there's ways to come down and serve a meal um, for individuals, for even groups uh, to come down and serve. Um, I mentioned we have chapel services, there's Bible studies, um, we have a daycare center. Um, we also have internship opportunities available as well. So there, there is a lot of ways to get connected. Um, and when Abigail shares too, um, even after this chapel, we would love to connect with you if you have any questions about how to get involved or just about our ministry and our program as well. With that, I'm going to hand it over um, and John uh, from our recovery program will share uh, his story. Hey guys, I'm John. Uh, I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic, um, and I didn't I didn't know what that meant a number of years ago. So I'm I'm going to share a little bit about uh, what my life used to be like and what happened to me and um, and what I'm like today thanks to thanks to Jesus. Um, I, I grew up with a you know a pretty you know regular childhood you know stereotypical American dream. I was pretty privileged. Um, I, you know, I, I had a parent who was an alcoholic, but I, you know, as a kid, I didn't know what alcoholism was. People didn't really talk about it. Um, I just knew that I didn't like some of the behaviors that I saw in my parent. Um, you know, so I had, I had an experience living with my mom and then, you know, spending time with my dad. My parents were separated at a young age. Um, and so I got two depictions of different types of Christian families. My mom's family, my mom being the alcoholic, where we were a Christian family, but that was where it stopped. We didn't go to church. We just identified as that, and there was no action behind it in our lives. Um, but I was blessed to have a different experience going to my dad's. We would, um, we would go to church, and we would spend time meditating and, and reflecting after church on, on what the message was and what Jesus was trying to do in our lives. Um, so I had this, this contrast, and, um, and with that came a choice. And, you know, growing up, I, you know, I, I excelled in school. I was all honors AP through high school. Um, I stayed away from drugs and alcohol. I played in a band. I just had a pretty, pretty happy growing up. Um, but the reason that I stayed away from drugs and alcohol wasn't because it was what was good for me or it was the life that I was supposed to live with Jesus. Um, I had an experience in high school that caused me to turn away from the church. And I didn't, you know, I didn't go out and actively choose to operate in Satan's, Satan's kingdom and put him on the throne. Um, I chose myself. Um, I chose to not engage in the battle between good and evil. And um, what I've learned recently is not making a choice is still a choice. Um, so the series of events that happened is, you know, I, I moved out of the, the protection of my dad's house. Um, I had moved in with him for, um, for my high school career. And uh, I, got, I got sucked into influence with, with peers. Um, I saw people drinking with impunity. There was no consequences. Um, and I was confident that my own willpower would be enough to, you know, not end up, you know, an aggressive or depressed alcoholic. Um, and I didn't realize what was happening. It was like a frog, you know, in a pot of water that's boiling on the stove. 
Um, and after two years uh, of that, I was only 20 years old. I was working as a nurse's aide in the healthcare field, but I couldn't make it home without buying alcohol. I wasn't capable of processing my emotions or any past trauma in my life. Um, and I had friends that co-signed on that with me. I had a, a partner of 10 years, and, um, and we did this together. You know, we, would, we were codependent and alcoholic together. Um, so while I didn't feel alone, I still felt very alone. And, you know, through this process of, I mean, if it, if it you know, this retrospect that I get on, on the enemy working in my life is clear today, but it wasn't then. And I'm grateful today um, for my experience as an alcoholic, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm in the storm um, and I'm not paying attention to Jesus and I'm not aware that he loves me regardless of the things that I've done, then the only focus I have is on the storm in front of me and I start sinking. And I wasn't aware that that was happening. I felt hopeless. I felt depressed. Um, I was, you know, selfish and self-centered and ego-driven, and all I cared about was, you know, getting numb from my feelings. And, you know, eventually it led to this series of consequences in my life. My partner and I split up. Um, she had gotten sober, and I wasn't capable of staying sober. Um, I was depressed. I hated myself. Um, and I sought AA. And, you know, where I have this memory of, of being spiritual and religious as a kid, I looked at that like it wasn't possible for me to get that back. Um, but when I stepped into AA, they, they talk about a God of our own understanding, so I quickly adopted anything but Jesus. And the consequences were, you know, I was recreating God in my own image. You know, I, I had this idea of God, and I put it in a shoebox, and I slid it under the bed and went, cool, I got that. Um, and the reality was, I went to my uh, I went to my first 30-day inpatient treatment in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, in early 2019, and uh, I got some more self-knowledge and I got some more psychological tools to help me. Um, and I figured, well, I'm an intelligent guy. I can read this big book. I can follow these instructions, and I can start living this spiritual path. Um, and it worked out for about six months on my power, um, and I I was feeling really good, uh, but the deception it, it snuck back into my life. Because as I started to feel better, you know, the enemy started speaking in the back of my mind in a way of, well, you're better now. You don't have to keep doing, you know, doing this living by spiritual principles. You're fine. Um, and eventually I ended up drinking again. And this, I don't know if you guys know much about alcoholism, but this peculiar mental twist, this obsession is once I had that first drink, the only thing I could think about was continuing to drink. Um, so things worked out for about a month before it became obvious to my friends and my family, and then I was right back in a state of constant shame and hiding. Um, I went back to another 30-day inpatient treatment, and um, I was concerned I wasn't going to get a lot out of it, but I was dedicated. I was interested. If you had put me on a lie detector test, you would have believed me when I said that this is it. I'm done. I'm done with living this old life. I want to have a life in my future. Um, I've got a two-year-old son, you know, my son's enough for me to live for. Um, and the reality was I stepped out of the situation and the same thing happened. On my own power, I was capable of making it about another six months. Um, and this happened at the beginning of this year with, uh, this past year with all of this COVID stuff. And, you know, what I realized was, you know, I was invested in AA, I had good sponsorship, um, I had community, I had friends, and I had an accountability team. I had a therapist I'd been working with for two years. And what slowly started happening as COVID happened, um, my therapist of two years moved to a new job, my home group shut down, my sponsor quarantined because he's a little bit older. Um, and you know, the, the icing on top of it was the, the 
the first death in my family of somebody that I was close to happened, my grandfather died. And I didn't have this community support that I needed. Um, and it wasn't, you know, again, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I didn't realize until after more consequences that I wasn't relying on God in my life. I was relying on people and my own intelligence to keep me sober. Um, so it all, it all, you know, climaxed in, you know, two months of drinking and I'm driving a U-Haul to my dad's house in northern Wisconsin because my roommate situation's not working out and I've got to move back home with my dad and I'm just feeling shameful and depressed and I start drinking while I'm driving this 10-foot U-Haul. Um, and on the highway going somewhere between 60 and 70 miles per hour, I crashed this 10-foot U-Haul and flipped it end over end. Um, I don't remember getting pulled out of the truck. I don't remember the ambulance ride to the hospital. I don't remember them doing an MRI on me. I just remember waking up on a table and I'm a little banged up and got a couple of scratches on my leg. And the doctor's looking at me, describing to me the, the horror of this accident and how the police officers and the paramedics and the doctors have no clue how I got out of this situation, basically unscathed. Um, and I just had this pit in my stomach that I was the only person that knew how I survived that and it was God. Um, what happened after that was, was nothing short of a miracle. I'm, I'm in Wisconsin. I've never heard of, of the Union Gospel Mission. I've never heard of the Christ Recovery Center. Um, and largely, there's, you know, there's a, like a referral-type basis. You kind of have to know somebody to get in there. Um, and I, I called my sponsor when I got out of the hospital. There was this series of events that happened that, that kept me safe that evening, and I had, I had no, no understanding of how it happened. Um, I was, my truck that was decimated was 10 miles outside of the town. I had no clue where I was. I wandered into an auto zone and I got directions to where this truck was and I stepped outside and there was two guys hanging out by their vehicle and I asked them for help and they were willing to drive me 20 miles round trip back out to and back to town um, because my phone and my backpack and everything that was important to me, my wallet was all in this destroyed truck. I had no idea if I was even gonna be able to find it. Um, and I did, and on the way back, you know, just in conversation with these guys, you know, obviously I'm distraught and, and confused and terrified. Um, they revealed to me that they were both longtime members of AA, uh, and they were operating out of a, out of their God's understanding of what they should be doing, and that they felt, felt the urge to help me. Um, I got back to town, and I had $10 in my pocket, and, um, I called my dad, and he told me that he was, he was done with enabling me. Um, and that I was gonna have to figure it out myself. Um, so I went to a hotel and I talked with the manager, his name was Jim, I'll never forget him. And uh, I told him my situation and um, he tells me that he's a Christian and uh, he needs to make a phone call to the owner of the hotel but he ended up buying me a hotel room, paying for a hotel room for the night so I didn't have to sleep in the elements. I'm, I'm grateful for that, it stormed hard that night. And his wife came in shortly after he, um, he made this decision and she went white as a ghost and um, asked me if I remembered her and of course I didn't. But she was one of the people that had been following behind me in the truck when I crashed and helped pull me out. And um, yeah, just when I look back at it, there's, there's no way that, you know, that coincidence could be the thing that brought this series of events together. So, you know, I had a, you know, a moment of, of safety and I called my sponsor back in, uh, in Verroqua, Wisconsin, about a three hour drive from me and told him what had happened and he said he would call me in the morning. 
he was going to talk with my father for me, and he was going to figure out what we can do. And the next morning, um, I spoke with him. My father was on his way to pick me up, and he was going to bring me back up to, up to his property, and my sponsor would be there in a day. And he told me that he had gone to a member of our home group in Viroqua who was from the Twin Cities and was familiar with the Union Gospel Mission, was familiar with the Christ Recovery Center. Um, and she called one of her contacts and made an arrangement for me to have an interview with our director, Chris Surig. Um, so long story short, within three days of, of crashing this vehicle and being in a situation that I shouldn't have made it out of alive, um, I was at the doorstep of the Union Gospel Mission, um, terrified, feeling hopeless, and you know, just wondering if I'm ever going to be capable of being sober and living a fruitful life. Um, and I went in for an interview, and um, our director asked me to share a little bit of my experience with him, and I did, and the commonalities between us were, were striking between the path that our addiction took and how it had taken most things from us. Um, then he you know, asked me what I was willing to do, and I told him I would do anything. And um, I knew it was the Christ Recovery Center. I knew that I had prejudice that I needed to deal with in regards to the church. And I was grateful to be in a safe place where I could ask those questions and have them answered. Um, I had questions that I never thought that I would have answered in my life, but they put, a, a 12, they put a, a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in my hand, and they put a Bible in my hand, and they said, this is our curriculum. Um, and I said I was willing to do anything, so I did. I sat in quarantine for 10 days, um, and in that time, I got to meditate. My chaplain um, dropped off a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel for me, and it sat on my bed for about three of those days while I scoffed at it. Uh, and then I started reading it. And almost every other page, there was some variation of this message of um, God loves you regardless of what you've done in your life. And he's there for you if you can just turn around and accept him. Um, and I did. And I got answers to these questions that I never thought would be answered. How do I talk to God? What does having a relationship with God look like? What does getting to know his son look like? How do I welcome that into my life? Um, and this was seven months ago, and I'm not the same person today that I was then. I was terrified and shameful. Um, and today I'm grateful and proud and unapologetic about my faith. And um, thank God for the Christ Recovery Center and the Union Gospel Mission. And now I'm in a position, and I have a platform that I can reach from where I was in this hopeless state of mind and body, and I've allowed Jesus into my life to resurrect me and bring me back to life. And now I have an opportunity to reach back and help people like me. Um, and I couldn't have done it without these people. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be here and to be a part of sharing that experience with you guys. Praise God. Um, so my name is Abigail. And like Justin said, I am actually a recent graduate of Northwestern. I graduated in 2019. Um, and since then have worked at um, some different nonprofits, but actually during my time at Northwestern, I interned with Union Gospel Mission. Um, an internship didn't exist, and I basically went to the staff and asked them to create one for me. Um, and it was um, after about um, a year of being um, graduated that they reached out to me with um, an opening, the opening that I'm in now. Um, I'm our events and community outreach coordinator. And this is my job. Um, this is what I get to do is be a part of this gospel transformation. And so I, I sometimes get questions, you know, why are you at a homeless shelter? So, you know, we 
we work with individuals experiencing homelessness. And like Josh talked about, um, you know, we work with um, moms and women and children. Um, and then also we have a large men's program um, with our Christ Recovery Center, our discipleship program, and then also our Bethel Hotel, which is more geared towards individuals um, who are coming off the streets, kind of the top of the funnel to get people involved and engaged in our programming. So we serve three meals a day, seven days a week, um, and kind of something that Josh talked about was this increased need that we've seen during the last year um, with COVID. And one thing that someone said that really resonated with me is homelessness doesn't take a day off. And it's really easy to observe a stay-at-home order when you have a, a home to stay at. Um, and so really the, the needs and the individuals that we've seen, I think, you know, personally in my own life, I've seen it in the news, the encampments, things that are becoming a little bit more forward-facing um, in our communities that we're becoming aware of some of these situations. And one thing that really has stuck out to me during my time um, in college and, and beyond is getting to know the individuals behind these numbers and behind these stories um, that, you know, 15,000 people, well, what does that look like? How does that work? Um, it was really after um, interning with Union Gospel Mission and kind of getting on site and seeing seeing the workings of what's going on. Um, it was a really uncomfortable position for me to be in for a while. Um, it is not something that I was used to. I grew up in um, the suburbs of, you know, the Twin Cities and definitely very privileged. And so to push myself um, and to to put myself in someone else's shoes um, was really, really impactful. And that's when I, I knew that this was something I wanted to do. Um, and this is what I wanted to do with my life and to be able to share these stories and encourage people like you guys um, that you can make a difference. Um, you know, you don't have to have a lot of money or be super influential to be able to be impactful in someone's lives and in the lives of those who are suffering um, and experiencing the, the issues of homelessness. So I would encourage you, if that is something that you would be interested in, um, you feel free to talk to myself or Josh. Um, we'll be around after, um, just up on stage. Feel free to reach out to us. Um, email anyone at Union Gospel Mission and we would love to get you involved. Um, come out, serve a meal. Super easy. Um, but again, something that we have a great need for um, and that we're doing three times a day, seven days a week. Um, and it's a really cool opportunity to see into the lives of someone else and to put a face to the issue of homelessness. Um, it's when, you know, hearing the stories of people like that have gone through this and it's not, it's not out there, it's here. And, but for the grace of God, um, there go I. And so, you know, something that um, I would really encourage you is to engage in learning and um, go deeper. Listen to the stories and be attentive to, to the, the situations that God is putting around you. Um, come out, serve a meal with us. We have internship opportunities like Josh mentioned. We do item drives where we're providing for some of those basic felt needs for the individuals in our programming. Um, 
we serve lots of meals for Thanksgiving. And so, um, you know, coming out and volunteering in those capacities, um, we would just encourage you to get involved in some way to push yourself and, um, and see the world from a different perspective because it will change you. If you allow God to show you the world the way that he sees it, it will change you. Um, and I'm living proof of that. And John and Josh, we are all um, walking testaments to gospel transformation. And that's something that we, we love to see and are blessed to be a part of. And we encourage you to be a part of that as well. So, like I said, we'll be here after, um, after chapel. I know that you guys probably have a class to run to. That was usually my story. Um, had to run all the way to, to the KTIS building. Um, but do encourage you to, to dive deeper. So let me pray for us. Um, Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to engage with the community that you have placed us in and to go deeper with um, the stories of individuals, God. We are your children, and I thank you that you don't give up on us. Even when we've given up on ourselves, God, you pursue us, you passionately pursue us, and call us back to yourself. I thank you for programs like Union Gospel Mission where the gospel transformation is able to be seen um, and to be lived out. God, I pray for the students here um, that you would touch their hearts and encourage them to engage in new ways, um, that you would, you would bless them and encourage them to be blessings to the community around them. God, we love you so much, and um, I pray that you would be glorified in everything that we do and say this day and the days forward. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.